jail i'm gonna have some fun what do you consider fun fun natural fun hello and welcome once again to refresher the pop culture therapy podcast i am chris levine and i will be your host again this time around i'm finding that as i become more firmly middle-aged that my memories are flooding back with pretty crisp clarity Now, one would think that the older we get, the more the memories fade. So I studied this, and guess what? Not only is this increased memory retrieval a real phenomenon, but it even has a name. It's called the reminiscence bump. No, not the Renaissance Fair. The reminiscence bump. Unless, of course, you reminisce about going to a renaissance fair as part of your reminiscence bump or you remember doing the bump in the 1970s at a misguided renaissance fairs ye old wormwood i cry your mercy mead spell boogie tavern complete with a mirror ball and a mule where one half of the room was doing the tango hustle the other half of the room were fencing one another yes the reminiscence bump The reminiscence bump is what they call the ability in slightly older ones to recollect events that occurred during their adolescence and early adulthood. Researchers were able to find that people tend to remember events from their teens and 20s better at that time than any other time. Why is this? Well, there are three possible explanations for this phenomenon, according to experts. Number one is what is called a cognitive account. Now, a cognitive account deals with memory that occurs during a period of rapid change, followed by a period of relative stability. So, in other words, like when we finally calm down, we can take inventory. Then there's another thought called the narrative identity account. Now, this occurs due to a sense of identity that develops during adolescence and early adulthood. In other words, we become us during this period of thought. It's almost like we are rereading the book of our own journey. Finally, the occurrence of the reminiscence bump is often explained by the term life script account. Now, this refers to a series of culturally important transitional milestones that occur in a sequential manner in our lives. So again, it it may be decades since you may have experienced your first crush, your first job, your first car, your first heartbreak. But, But these are strong parts of the movie that is called you. And they stand out as highlights, whether they're the best, worst, most touching or emotional parts of the plot that we're calling our lives. So these memories are subjective and they tend to stick in our minds as they're considered special. 
What's interesting, though, is that some people can actually mentally stop at one of these special high points. And for manic and perplexing reasons, they don't leave. They just stay there. Uh, pop culture. Think Norma Desmond from Sunset Boulevard, who was so much so living in the past that when she was being arrested for shooting someone, glides down the stairs and elegantly tells the police the famous line, all right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Then she basks in the flashbulbs of the newspaper reporters, reporting not on her stardom from many, many years ago, but on her being a murderer. In real life, this isn't too much over the mark. You think old Hollywood, it happens quite a bit. And it probably does now, too. For example, actress Clara Bow eventually began showing symptoms of psychiatric illness. She purposefully lived alone in a bungalow, which she rarely left in Hollywood until her death. Another original Hollywood star was Mary Pickford. After retiring from the screen, she became a complete recluse, allowing visits only from other Hollywooders like Lillian Gish and Douglas Fairbanks Jr. and just a few select other people from her past because she kind of still lived there. Then there was Mae Murray. Now, she completely stayed put and completely stayed frozen in time and kept working. But she kept working in the past. This is what I mean. She appeared regularly at a place called Billy Rose's Diamond Horseshoe, which was a nightclub which specialized in presenting stars of the past for nostalgia. So she was getting paid to be the character in Sunset Boulevard for real. I mean, she remains so old Hollywood that she's still there, sort of. She eventually moved into the motion picture house in Woodland Hills, which is a retirement community for Hollywood professionals, and sadly was finally buried in the Valhalla Memorial Park Cemetery in, you guessed it, North Hollywood, California. She never left Hollywood once she entered Hollywood. Now, most of us, though, we can't do this, or we do it on a much, much less intense level. Most of us keep living, and we keep moving forward, even as the memories grow in intensity and clarity. Now, a subproduct of this reminiscence bump is what's called flashbulb memory. Uh, this occurs when a very vivid memory of a traumatic or emotional or significant event is recalled. Not, not to bring up something sore or sad or whatever, but imagine, for example, 9-11. If you use 9-11 in a study and participants are asked to recall very specific information, such as where were you, how did it make you feel, and, and what were you doing when the event took place? Memories of these events are easily recalled, usually, and the individual believes their account of the event to be completely accurate. It's a flashbulb memory. Again, it's one of those, where were you when JFK got shot type deals. And by all means, 
everyone that lived through it and that was old enough to know what was going on probably has a thought or probably has an opinion about that one specific time in the past. It suggested that the flashbulb bulb memories encoded during the reminiscence bump are so vivid because the events happened during a time of identity formation and especially peak brain function. Again, these events are recalled well because they undergo more rehearsal due to their serious nature and frequent discussion. You know, and sometimes it can be something that it doesn't really matter. Like it's, it's, it's a memory that is really not that important, but for some reason it's important to you. See, I find that my memories that come to the surface are really not that big of a deal, but they are at the same time. For example, recently I remembered, it must have been like second grade, that in the school playground, for whatever reason, I told the other kids that I got bit by a gopher on the playground. Total lie. Total lie. I'm owning it. I don't know why I did that. No explanation. Well, believe it or not, there were some halfway decent little kids around and they went and told the yard duty ladies that Chris got bit by a gopher. The next thing I know, these caring women are frantically looking at my hands, which of course are just fine. They have no bite marks on them because nothing happened. Then they said, sit down for the rest of recess so we can make sure you're okay. And one of the ladies sat with me. I remember her name. Don't know why, but I do. It was Mrs. Hall. Ironically, I'm older now than she was then. Anyway, I remember the feeling in my stomach when the ladies were looking at my hands. They asked me, point where you were bitten. <laughs> I remember I pointed to some random spot on my finger, which of course has no blemish on it because nothing happened. It, I remember thinking, why did you do this? Who were you trying to impress? How would me being bitten by a gopher have impressed anyone? Why did I blatantly lie about this and I never owned up to it? Well, going along with our topic, at the age I am now, I know. I just wanted attention from the other kids especially, but I'd even take it from the yard duty ladies. I got a temporary spotlight from this. It was a way for the overweight, shy kid to be noticed and to not feel invisible. It was completely dumb. It was silly, but it's what I did. Now, honestly, even up to my 20s, I might not have understood why I did this. Even up to that point in my life, I was probably simply just still embarrassed by it. Didn't want to think about it. It made me feel gross in my stomach. I might have not understood why I did it even at that point. I was embarrassed, want to block it out, all that good stuff. But now, I get it. It's weird and still embarrassing to think about, but not devastatingly so anymore, because now I get it. The reminiscence bump not only jarred the memory, but explained it, and it actually gave me a little insight into myself as, you know, little second grader Chris Levine. I've found this time in my life is helping to put weird memories to bed 
and to finally give me some peace with them. Things I used to obsess about, traumatic things, dramatic things, hydromatic things. They are all more reasonable now and easier to deal with. It's also essentially telling me that what, what we're going through now, when looked back upon, probably won't be the end of the world either. Now, I don't encourage a non-realistic Stepford wife, Pollyanna view of the world because you're just looking to get hurt. But, but I do think that when we put the past in its place, then the present is less overbearing and scary. So this is what I suggest. Get dolled up. Elegantly slide down the stairs and be ready for your close-up. Just understand who is behind the cameras and why they're there. And scene. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist and the subject matter is what dictates the song choices. So we have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, the Reminiscence Bump playlist. You can find it real easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash the Reminiscence Bump. I almost picked 10 songs that you and a partner could do the bump to. That would have been pretty hot. But then I thought, so I went with this. Track number one, uh, Noel Gallagher from Oasis. His band now is Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. And the song is called In the Heat of the Moment. Number two is Your Blue Room by Passengers. Little secret, Passengers are actually you two. They put out an album under the name Passengers in 1995, back when they, at least to me, could still do no wrong. Number three, Story of My Life by Social Distortion. Number four, from his Scary Monsters record, David Bowie with Teenage Wildlife. It's kind of a hidden Bowie gem right there. Number five, Beat the Clock by Sparks. Number six, The Human League with keep feeling fascination. Hey, did you ever see the episode of the Mighty Boosh <laughs> where the jazz-loving Howard Moon gives Vince Noir a hard time about liking music like the Human League? And Vince goes, the Human League created music. <laughs> that was awesome. Number seven, Sunset Boulevard by The Numbers. The Numbers were kind of a pop punk band in the late 70s. Um, interestingly, one member was a future member of Massive Attack named Angelo Bruschini. Number eight, the Elvis Costello version of the song Days. Number nine, the band is Space Hog with In the Meantime. If you listen to it, you've heard it, even if you don't know it by its, by its name. I saw them actually open for the Chili Peppers. Uh, no. It, it was in the 90s. It might have been Pearl Jam, but I did see them. Um, number 10, Way Back Home by none other than Bob Crosby and the Bobcats. You're only going to get that here. That's our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. 
just type in refresher podcast dash the reminiscence bump. We'd like to welcome some new listeners to our little show. Our demographics report shows that now we have listeners not just in Hollywood, California, but we also have them in Hollywood, Florida. Welcome to Refresher. We're very, very happy you're here and you're joining us. This show is completely, completely, it's completely your baby. It would not exist without you. If you could do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. If you enjoyed this, if you learned a little something, if you think somebody else would enjoy it, if you can help keep this podcast stay up and running, tell people about it. If you'd like, you could even make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. You don't have to do that, but if you do, that might be kind of nice. And many do, and I want to thank all those that do very, very much. You can also check out our website for all things Refresher at refresherpodcast.yolasite.com where you can find Refresher clothing because you, you really need that, as well as links to all of my books and interviews with various musicians and so forth. And links to friends of our show, like the cool people at leafy.com, L-E-A-F-V-E.com. Check them out. See what they're all about. We have our friends at DesignCraft. They spell it like Craftwork, D-E-Z-I-G-N-K-R-A-F-T. And, of course, the Managing Expectations podcast. So find out all about them and all that fun stuff. It's all on our website at refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late. And let me tell you something. If uh, Bob Crosby... And the Bobcats didn't impress you. This will. This song was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. Until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor. And remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.